Hope, there's probably few things in sport that can mean so many things to people um, and are probably more specific than we know than martial arts. So I'm going to start there. Um, tell me a little bit about the studio group martial arts and, and what it is and which discipline I suppose it is and what we're talking about. So it's a Taekwondo studio. Okay. And it's World Taekwondo, so it's the Olympic variation of Taekwondo. Okay. Um, it's pretty much Taekwondo focuses on the movement of your hands and feet. So we do a lot of strikes and a lot of kicks. Um, we have a big competition team at our studio um, where they do a lot of sparring, which is fighting, and then um, some pumse patterns, which are forms of blocks and strikes put together. Right. What, where does, I mean, you kind of briefly described it, but again, help me out a little bit with where Taekwondo fits in, in the world. It, where does it originate? How big is it? What, you know, give me a little sense of that if you don't sure. mind. Sure, yeah. It's, uh, it's a Korean sport. Um, so all of our registration for our black belts goes actually through Korea. And then once you get a high enough black belt, you have to do your tests in Korea. Oh, wow. Um, it's regulated by the World Taekwondo. Um, and then there's a president and then there's different societies within that. So we have the Alberta Taekwondo Association here, which kind of handles the Alberta tournaments and regulates the schools here in Alberta. Um, worldwide, it's pretty big um, in North America, as far as I know. I haven't really gone farther, but I know Master Paul has done some stuff in other countries, mm-hmm. um, some seminars and such. And the sparring's the biggest component, I would say, as far as competition. Um, there's a big section of it in the Olympics, and then our Poom Save um, team as well. We used to have a big one, but our focus now is more on sparring, I would say. It's more on sparring. Um, who's where's the growth coming from this day is it i'm assuming it's growing um but where's the growth who's getting involved um we're seeing a lot more families come involved like parents that may have done taekwondo in the past and now they have took a break had their families and their kids are old enough to join and now we see a lot of parents come in with their kids and do our family classes Hmm. um we have quite a few adults now that have maybe done martial arts in the past that may have not have been taekwondo um they come back they start with us and they can either pick up where they left off or they want to start fresh kind of depends where their skill level is um, and then we always, actually a lot of girls are joining now. We've yeah. seen a huge increase in female students, which is amazing. Cause when I started 15 years ago, it was kind of male dominated and now yeah. it's definitely leaning towards more 50, 50. And I would say just because I'm pretty comfortable that I'm older than you, that <laughs> w- when I grew up and, and it was always, well, you know, to defend yourself, females get into martial arts to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we've moved beyond that. It's more of the athleticism and you know why what's the motivation i guess for people to get involved now yeah definitely the athleticism like it's a great sport full body conditioning and everything um master paul actually runs a women's self-defense seminar for our students and people who aren't our current students Mm. where he goes on to more real life scenarios like what to do if you are approached or you're attacked and how to get away um our program focuses a lot on self-defense as well as the general athleticism i was personally put in it for confidence and i would say like that's aside from the body conditioning you condition your mind so much so in this sport so, so there are actually two things then i want to come back to that because that fascinates me a lot that concept of confidence and where it comes from but you mentioned something that i think is rare unique and needs to be celebrated a little bit more and that's family involvement mm-hmm. that a family can come to this sport and participate that's rare yeah. there's not a lot of you know in terms of organized sport and competitive sport that you can do that yeah, it's actually quite interesting to watch them interact with each other in class and then cheering each other on, and kids are cheering on their parents when they're yeah. trying something new. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and do you? What's I guess what not the motivation for that, but what's the the, the success for that? Where where does it come? Does it come from um, all family members? Is it dad and a couple of kids? Is it mom and a couple of kids? What's the you know what do you see in that regard? Seen a little bit of everything. Oh, okay. We have families that have a lot of siblings, and it's just all the siblings are doing the classes together. We have moms and dads and their kids. We have moms and their kids. Like honestly, I'd say it's a pretty good variation across the board. Yeah. Um, there's always one parent that's a little more hesitant to join than the other, but sure. it works out. And, and is that something that you have to do much education on? Because i I, I got to be honest with you. I know my daughter's expressed interest before, and i okay, well, I'll put her in. But I, I'd never given any thought to, well, I could do it with her too. Is that something you have to educate parents on? There are a few parents that will come in with the intention just to, we're going to sign up our kid, and then yeah. they watch the trial class, and they're like, hey, maybe I would like to try this. And then right. it's a lot of people will come in not knowing that it's a possibility, and then when they're opened up to that idea, they kind of like it. They do a trial class of their own. Maybe they like the sport and they want to join. Um, it's definitely, I see probably more kids come in doing the child class and parents getting involved afterwards mm-hmm. versus families coming in together, I would say. Okay. The confidence part. That, you know, sport is such a great teacher in that. But you're not the first person that I've run across in martial arts that had said, you know, I was, you know, needed to build confidence. I went to and I found it and they're a big believer in it. What is it about the sport that allows you to grow that? I feel like it's a mixture between, yes, you have these black belts that are teaching you how to do the moves and you're learning new techniques, but it is so much of letting your body work and letting your mind just go. Mm -hmm. Um, In this sport, there's a lot of, there's techniques when you get higher up that you might be scared to do where you're like, there's no way my body's going to do that. And there is truly the only way to succeed is to just let go. Like your body's going to take care of you. If you're going to fall, you're going to fall, but you're probably not going to fall. Right. And if you do, you're going to get up and be okay. Um, there's different skills that you need for each belt level. And it's kind of as a kid, like we get stripes for each of our belts before you test for your next belt level. And you need certain techniques and behaviors for these stripes. Sure. And as a kid, that's all that's motivating you is I'm going to get my stripes so I can test for my next belt. And then we're going to go. But as you grow up with the sport and as you advance through your belt levels, the work you do to get those stripes and mm-hmm. keep coming back week after week. And when you finally get a handle of that skill you were struggling with, there's like a battle happening inside of you that you don't even realize when you're a young kid. But it's quite apparent as you even outside of Taekwondo, just you know you can do hard things because you've seen yourself do them in class. I, 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 I might be re-asking this, the question again, but I, because the, the belt levels I get, you could easily look at yourself and go, well, I've, I've you know, gone from here to there to there. You can follow that. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned confidence. You got into it. How in real-world terms has your confidence grown? Can you give an example of oh, that? Oh, it's been life-changing, honestly. I was put into the sport when I was eight, and I was, I was that eight-year-old kid hiding behind her dad at the barbecue, like so shy and I was bullied quite a bit in school and so that's why I was put into it yeah and there's something about seeing your capability and the power that your body has that you don't even know that just instills it into you across your whole life like now I've gone into healthcare as my career and Mm -hmm. there's been so many instances where I'm about to do something hard or I'm in a situation that I'm not comfortable in and I can look back and just just know that I'm gonna do it right it's hard to really explain but the confidence that you get from challenging yourself in Taekwondo first starts just at Taekwondo. Like I started making friends just at Taekwondo and then slowly it branched out into opening up in the outside world more and being able to make eye contact with strangers. Cause I knew the potential that I had within me and then 
that I had the power to just move through this life and open myself up more. Right. Um, and honestly, the, the like world, like real world skills for job interviews and stuff, like they look at that, they look at that you've been in Taekwondo and they, they appreciate that as well. Um, there's a certain level of commitment it takes and just, again, the confidence that, Hey, I stuck through this and my body's done things I didn't know it could. And, you know, there's quite a bit of discipline in Taekwondo and there's, you get yelled at if you're in trouble and you do push ups if you do something wrong or like a wrong behavior. So Mm -hmm. moving through life with that confidence, um, that it instills in you and the discipline and you just, nothing comes without being earned. And so, you know, you've earned your place and it does just shine through. It, it's it's fascinating to me because I think many, particularly team sports, you know, the, the, at the best case scenario would come up with that, but probably can't articulate it in the same way. You know, we'd love to think that, you know, as a hockey player, a soccer player, a basketball player on a team, we're going to learn skills that we're going to take to take with us into the real world. I'm not sure we're ever able in a, in a situation to articulate it just like you did. That, that That is a real feather, I think, in the cap of the sport that, you know, it's one thing to compete. And we'll get to competition in a second. But to me, sport ultimately makes better people. Clearly, mm-hmm. it made you a better person, right? Oh, for sure. Total life-changing, this yeah. sport. Like. What, that, that's incredible. Um, let's talk a little bit about competition because that's part of it, too. It is an Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me, as Canadians, we've done fairly well. Um, you know, we've been well represented on the international stage. How mm-hmm. healthy is the competition in Taekwondo? It's pretty good competition um definitely when you get up into the higher levels people are training you know 15 hours a day at times and it becomes like any other olympic sport like you get up into that higher caliber of elite um competition and then it requires a lot of endurance and athleticism um i am not sure well, what about locally? Is it is it competitive? I mean, is there? Oh yeah, we go. We have a competition team. Um, ours is quite large now. It's grown quite a bit. Okay. Um, Master Paul's a really unique coach, and our team has flourished under his guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's an Alberta Taekwondo Association, and they hold majority. They kind of regulate the referees and the coaches, and yep. there's quite a few tournaments a year. Um, I. Th- think there was 12 in this last year I could be wrong um they're mostly in Calgary and Edmonton and kind of white court's a big one as well but then this just this year our school actually went to Sparfest in Saskatchewan for the first time so it was kind of one of our first times out of the province which was pretty interesting and then there's nationals once a year it was held in Calgary two years ago and then it's been in Quebec and other areas where schools from the black belts um, can all come nationally to compete. Um, well, we have two levels of sparring. So the color belts are more like a recreational oh, okay. sparring. Okay. Yeah, that's what you go ask. in, yeah. they get their medals. Sure. Um, but the black belts have like their, they get sponsorships or they can have funding and they're the ones that are regulated to go to nationals and then worlds and then Olympics. If Sure. So how, if, how many, of the people that participate in Taekwondo would be in, in your situation, your setup, are involved with the competitive team. Is that a high percentage? Is that a low percentage? When people get involved, you know, do they look to compete or is that just an opportunity that presents itself? Right. So 
I would say the interest has definitely grown exponentially. Like now we have a junior, our fighting team is called the Raptors, and mm-hmm. we have a junior sparring team well, that's and a kind senior of Raptors. Now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like hugely grown in the last few years. I would say probably 25 to 30% of the school is on the sparring team. Okay. Um, you don't come in and automatically join. You have to be, you have to have, I think it's a yellow belt, and then you need to be. Um, of a certain age, so our regular group starts at six years old, our regular classes, and you right. have to be eligible to join the sparring team. And then I would say I don't see a lot of kids come through. Like, we have fairly young kids, and I don't see a lot come through being like, I'm going to join the sparring team right off the bat, and I want to do this. But definitely, when you come in, you're a white belt. You don't know really what you're doing. You're yeah. learning these new kicks and these new moves. And then as you keep coming to class, you see, hey, like I like this sparring thing. Because we do spar with our regular class right. quite frequently. Sure. And then sure. kids who like that, you know, and they're pretty strong at it and they enjoy it. Then they start to have some interest in the sparring team. And then that's when we, um, that's when they'll look into joining the Raptors. More of an evolution then. Yeah. More of an evolution. Yeah. It's interesting. One of the conversations I had was with, somebody from fencing and oh wow and it was no it was just interesting that there's sometimes a preconceived notion with that sport going in and they kind of have to break people of that is you know with the popularity of mixed martial arts and combat sports Mm. now do you find that you know there's a little bit of education and a little bit of of breaking of preconceived notions when people join there definitely is like you'll always get the people that come in and just think hey it's like an hour of free willy-nilly kicking and punching all these things and I think the level of structure and discipline that we do have surprises some people. Yeah. You get people that come from other sports where they are used to moving their front foot first or they come from karate and there's a lot of open-handed stuff going on. And um, So there's those habits that maybe we sure. need to reconstruct, but the preconceived notions aren't too bad. Um, we have a trial class where they come in, they just sign a waiver and they don't sign up for anything. And we just kind of take them through a brief, like an hour long, Mm -hmm. here's Taekwondo and here's kind of what you can expect, Mm -hmm. which I think does help if someone came in with certain expectations and we aren't that expectation that gives them a window of, will I like this sport anyway, or should I keep pursuing something else? And I think that does help prevent people coming in and being like, this is not what I wanted. Sure. Yeah. Hope in terms of the commitment, what is it, you know, what does it take, for somebody to commit themselves to this sport, what would it take in terms of the, you know, the weekly or hourly commitment for them to, you know, to come in and, and not just participate, but get better? Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of this sport is the commitment you want to make or like your parents want you to make when right. you're younger is what you have to do. So our regular program is two classes a week. They're hour long, either Tuesdays, Thursdays, Mondays, Wednesdays, whatever. And then that's our basic, you're a color belt, you're getting your stripes. That's how everyone kind of starts off. Okay. The competition team, they, um, the Raptors, they do regular classes. And on top of that, they have two or three specialized Raptor classes sure. a week. Sure. And then as a black belt, um, you have access to unlimited classes per week. So at that point, you take your training into your own hands. We have specialized black belt classes twice a week. And then you can go to the all opens or the patterns class or whatever. Right. Um, so I started off two days a week and I've... I mean, I've been in this sport for 15 years, and it, I've grown with it. And as anyone does, you fall in and out of love with the sport 100 times as you grow. Yeah. There were times I went twice a week, and there were times I went six times a week. Wow. And there's weeks that, you know, my body just can't handle training, so I kind of just, I'll teach instead. Sure. But you, as you grow with the sport, you can um, 
you can craft it to what's going to work best for you. And that's one of the incredible things about this sport is it's truly an individual journey with a team support. I would think, and I don't want to make an assumption, but I'm a big believer in long-term athlete development and I'm a big, you know, cross-sport. Is this complementary to, to team sports? Is it complementary to athletes who might be? I, I just worry so much about early specialization. I want to see kids mm-hmm. participating in things. Is Taekwondo complementary to other sports? I would say it is. Um, the increased flexibility and the stamina and the overall body conditioning can, I mean, gym class. I mean, I was pretty much focused on Taekwondo growing up, but I noticed my gym marks and participation getting stronger across the board because okay. my body had the stamina, I had the discipline. I had the flexibility. Um, and we get people come in from other sports where they play hockey or they dance and they're incredible kickers and they're True. so flexible because of their other sports conditioning as well. So I would say the full body conditioning and the commitment and dedication you need to call, like grow with, yeah. is, that does does transfer over to other sports. So tell us a little bit about the studio group martial arts. How can we find you? What do we need to know about you? I my guess is, you know, you're probably not locked in in terms of when you can participate or start, or how does that work? Yeah, it's year-round. Um, we do have limited hours in the summer just because there's a lot less people coming to Taekwondo. I was I used to take summers off, and a lot of children do. Okay. Um, but the classes do run every evening, Monday to Thursday through the summer, and then during the year, we're Monday through Saturday. We do six, uh, 5.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, Monday to Thursday, and then Saturdays we have an evening class. Or Fridays we have an evening class, and Saturdays we do morning and early afternoon. Um, We have a website, sgma.ca, and then it has Master Paul's phone number and email on there, and then they just get in contact with him. He'll set up a free trial class, and then you can come in. So I gather Master Paul is rather hands-on. He is. He's there quite often. He's very involved in the coaching and the testing. He tests all our students. Um, So it really sets the tone. He does, and... It's incredible, honestly. His dedication to his students and the way he teaches is the reason this school has done so well. Um, his wife, Carlene, also was involved in special education before mm-hmm. she jumped in. She um, heads our Mighty Dragon program, which is our three- and four-year-olds. Um, well, our junior Mighty Dragons, three, and then <laughs> our Mighty Dragons, four and five. Um, so she's really good at, you know, we have a lot of students come in with special requirements and special needs of any kind of physical and mental limitations. And because of their history, um, they have a nice little niche there where they're actually I really don't good gl- that. I don't want to gloss over that, actually. I'd like to just ask you a little bit about that because that, I, I think, sometimes gets kind of lost. And that's important, mm-hmm. um, you know, giving... Because it can be, particularly martial arts, can be for kids who may not be able to participate in other avenues of sport because mm-hmm. of various reasons. It can be therapeutic and, and oh, complementary, sure. can it? Yeah. Uh, we have kids come with all kinds of physical limitations, and we've had quite a few, you know, mental limitations as well. Mm-hmm. And Carlene will become very involved in those cases, and Master Paul will also just keep kind of a special eye out and, you know, tailor the training to... We have a curriculum, but it can be tailored to people's needs if necessary. Um, as well, like I have some limitations with my own body, and it's been incredible just how you can tailor this sport to work for you. Yeah. And then having Master Paul and Carlene, um, their added influence and her specialized background, I really do see these students thrive. So I, I, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm what I'm hearing is if there's a, a parent out there as a young athlete that maybe has physical limitations or maybe autism or downs or something like that, mm-hmm. get in contact, ask questions, and, and find a way. Yeah, 
I've come up, we've had quite a few autistic students in the past and a couple Down syndrome students and they've done well. We have some with us currently. The physical limitations, of course, it's still a sport, um, but you know, we can usually find a workaround, see where we can get the student to take their own like limits and maybe push them, maybe work within them, depending totally, it's totally dependent on the student, but but it's very inclusive. Inclusive would be one of the first words I would use to describe this school. It's incredible. 